You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Some people That's been can, a lot of but... the questions this tour. I was like, what does it take? What what's the what's the one piece of advice you'd give to an aspiring musician? And I think Dustin will always answer songwriting. But then after yeah. that it's like, do you have it in you to basically if you have the songs, do you have it in you to commit all of it and all of your time? I don't know. I didn't know if I did when I first started this and I remember when I had to quit my job and it was like, all right, this is real now. Like, here we go. Hello, welcome to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Peza here, as always, with Siobhan Cronin and Benny Goodman. And we are continuing the train rolling with our star set feature, this time with Ron DeChant. Yeah, so for everyone that's been uh, binge watching all of our star set episodes, you get to watch Ron again. Definitely check out his earlier episodes too to get some more background on him. But we got topical in this one. It was really great to catch up and talk more about the tour that we're on right now or that we were on, <laughs> depending <laughs> yeah. on when this comes out. But don't worry about it. If you've already seen the other episodes with him, he's still a wealth of complete knowledge and we, comp- we, we, we extrapolate it from him. So if you want to learn something, just, just watch and listen. Yeah, All right, like and subscribe, 2020-D.com. Here we go with part one, Rhonda Chant right now. All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of 2020. I'm Siobhan, here, as always, with Ben and Corey, and we are so excited to welcome back my dear friend, star set bandmate, mastermind of all things music marketing. We're going to dive into it, but Rhonda Chant, who's here joining us again from a wonderful hotel lobby while we are on tour doing our acoustic run. So, Ron, thank you so much for dedicating hours on a day off to be here with us. Good to see you guys again. Yeah, Yeah, you too, man. And uh, just just to point this out... uh, you guys can absolutely see each other right now, right? No, where he's actually uh, two boots over. Uh, t- <laughs> over there. I can okay. hear her. I can't see her. I hope I'm so not driving kind of, you nuts. So it's kind of how they filmed that movie Heat with Al Pacino and, and Robert De Niro that they never actually sat. They sat in the same booth, but on different days. So they're not really looking at one another. This is a very COVID conscious podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Social distancing in its original form. <laughs> let's uh, let's just dive into it. You know, we're getting our, our, our star set fix recently, which is always fun. Um, and you guys are currently on a uh, an acoustic tour, although I think when this episode comes out, you may be wrapping it up or close to it at least. So um, why don't we just cool. get a check in right now and, and just see how things are going. Yeah. We are uh, 22 shows in. I looked at it this morning. We've got 36. So we're more than halfway. Um, it's been cool. This is, this is something that, um, that we kind of tell everybody this to tell our fans this, but like, uh, Dustin and I were sitting in COVID. I think I talked about this in the last podcast, but like we were sitting there like, Oh my God, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to, how are we going to get out and play shows in any capacity? And, And maybe there's a chance for us to do it before everyone else does. And we birthed the first acoustic event, uh, tour, uh, right out of COVID. And COVID, it was still kind of happening. It was before Delta actually hit. So, um, 
this is just a continuation of that because of how awesome it was. Um, fans were, they went nuts. And, uh, and, it, and honestly, I think it's a, a certain, it takes a certain capacity of people to be able to do it. The seven of us now with Corey, uh, added to the band, um, everybody's got the right mentality and everyone spends time talking to everybody after these shows. And that's the whole reason why we do it. So it's cool. Yeah, to be and out I, have doing to, it again. I have to jump in Ron, not to cut you off, but I have to give you a lot of credit, which a lot of people don't know, but you booked this tour basically entirely by yourself, <laughs> um, which a lot of people might assume there's a whole team, you know, of agents and promoters or whatever, which in the cases of the live show might be true, but you really put in a lot of work and it's, it's DIY in a lot of ways, which is really impressive. If I were to take myself out of the star set world and just look at you from the outside, I think it's really cool that you, you pull it off. It's slowly becoming either a healthy or unhealthy addiction. I don't <laughs> the DIY stuff that it, that is our whole universe is, um, yeah, that's I, the only way I know how to put it. But so far it's been, I mean, you're on it with us, you know. It's, yeah. uh, every day is a totally different day, totally different place. Totally, and as, as most shows and touring is, different culture, different state, different people. But all the same thing when it comes down to the what the fans say to us and and why they, you know, appreciate it. And we, like, again, guys, like we're talking about this, like Siobhan and I know this, but like everyone gets a chance after these acoustic events to sit down or get in line and talk to us. And we don't really usher them away like a step and repeat photo or anything like that. Like a normal meet and greet you'd see with a lot of bigger bands. We are literally at a brewery with a beer and we'll talk to them as long as they want. They come back around three times, take a selfie. Like there's, there's all kinds of, you know, artwork they bring or cool things they'll say to us or stories that they want to hear. And we just, we take the time, all seven of us to do it. So honestly, it's, it's fun. You're in a rhythm. Now, so. Having been there as a fan, I can say it's a good time. It's, it's, it's a blast. Yeah. You know, uh, the first, yeah, you guys get to see the third one, I think like the one in Hampton. Yeah. Yeah. The first time you guys came around yeah. with this, uh, when it was all kind of new, it was really kind of cool to see. Uh, cause I had never seen that with any band doing, you know, that kind of performance and then just, big old hang party afterwards um you know even, even signing my my leftovers i was gonna say there. you gotta you got <laughs> show on the, i know we've showed yeah. it on the show before but i don't know if ron's seen it you should if it's not out think, of the way you should I think, show i think we uh, i think we brought it up the last time he was on oh, okay. but i'm always happy to t take okay. down this this uh Corey, well, Corey might have the most unique piece of signed memorabilia <laughs> and, I'm, and i'm gonna go on record as saying too that it is it is really cool because you know you guys like I'm disillusioned now. Like, I don't care. Like, Iron Maiden could be on the next table over for me, and I'll be like, I, I gotta go. You know, like, it doesn't, but I, there, there used to be that, there used to be that moment, you know, when you, when you were a kid, like, when I'd see Ozzy, and I'm like, oh my God, does he actually, like, sleep upside down, and does he drink blood, and, and I've seen your fans, and they really wonder about you. In fact, Adam, he'll tell yeah. you every time, make them ask questions, and they do ask, and oh they do God. ask questions. Justin starts that now, he, I mean, he's literally asking questions to everybody, or making them ask them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But this is why it's so genius, because you give them just enough to want more so like you guys are literally like you're like the army you're recruiting on the like oh yeah come do some push-ups some pull-ups we'll give you a shirt whatever but you're doing it with the the guys of a band you're like don't worry we're recruiting you for our army to go take over an interstellar battle and like, <laughs> i 100 percent believe that and, and the fact is know, the fans I mean, other are than, other than collecting email addresses i'm not sure how to activate the army but <laughs> there's gonna be some like subliminal code word that goes out at some point and oh, just, well, sure. let, me, let me ask you this you don't think that your fan base has not been waiting for a sign on Dustin's Instagram for something to happen? Um, 
Yeah, but I don't think it's like a. So he could have put up like the bat signal. (laughs) So you don't think he could put up the bat signal and just leave it there and people wouldn't wonder what it was? I think we talked about the bat signal last time, and I still have yet to find someone with a big enough light and a symbol in the sky. So (laughs) we'll figure that out. (laughs) No, but this is a good point because, I mean, and this is something that a lot of the fans have said, but I mean, we really have to appreciate them because they do a lot of the groundwork, at least from my perspective, of sharing sharing the music, bringing people in. And every time we do it again, somebody brings a friend or they play the music for somebody else. So really, I mean, they are kind of the, I don't want to say missionaries because it's got a, a religious undertone, but but kind of that idea, you know, well, just like sharing them, it. They dub themselves the messengers, which is one right. of the things, the monikers they go by. But um, I to that point, we don't really even promote this tour much. Like there's some dark ads and some things that are like under the radar, but like this is all word of mouth through the people that really have gone to the bigger shows and, like you said, Siobhan, like have shared the music, have told their friends, had said, you need to see these guys in a different way. Like it's them. This is the, I mean, the reason we do it is them, but they, the reason why there's people coming to these is them too. So this being the second time you've gone through this process, uh, were there things that you learned the first time that you've kind of implemented this time through? Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, it's, it is by far the less, lesser of all production, lesser of all logistical hassles. I mean, it's one bus, um, it's a good unit of people. Uh, and we certainly think that we've really found a way to dial in the sound even better. I, one thing for sure, we didn't have the piano as, I mean, I was going back and forth between playing piano and bass in a lot of the songs last time. Having Corey here is amazing. I mean, it just fills out the whole sound. So, I mean, seven people playing an acoustic thing is not really, it's still not easy to, for someone to mix, but we've got a great guy out with us. Um, I think, I don't know, Siobhan, I mean, I think we've, we've really just honed in on a really good set too. I think that's probably the lesson learned too. And we had a wheel at one point where we could choose there were like 14 songs and it was just chaos. <laughs> like, Oh my God, what are we playing next? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, having seven instruments available is just like, you can turn anything into a great arrangement with that many players. You know, it's hard to do if you've only got a three yep. or four piece band or people have to switch back and forth between instruments. So I think it's really cool. You guys also have you're, you're so many multi instrumentalists and that understand so many things, and you're like crazy Jedi level musicians. So like if you and Z are sitting there, for those that don't know Z, the the cellist um, in uh, Starset, are sitting there like working with Corey, who's stripping down a song and just doing it on acoustic piano, and he's a freaking maniac that makes noises and pedals and plays mm-hmm. guitar, but happens to also makes noises on his keyboard, but understands the whole like crazy transcendent man. man concepts behind all these instruments that they're going to take over us and eventually his keyboard he's going to be serving it so Corey understands that so to have him go back to an acoustic piano and have you two girls sit down you could get rid of the rest of the band and it would sound awesome as far as I'm I concerned agree. This Corey, Juba, Corey Juba, by the way, just for anyone yeah, that right. maybe isn't familiar with Star Set, I'm not there. Although if they asked, I'd be happy to join. And we had him on the podcast, so if you haven't, go and listen to his episode well, it's very deceptive to get to know him. Because I wanted to be Corey, and his name's Corey, and he's not that Corey, but I've been saying for like at least two years I wanted to be in Star Set. So it's very <laughs> obnoxious that you not only get another guy who I like and plays guitar equally well, but that his name's Corey. That <laughs> seems that like a personal perfect, smite. Right? That was very much just you know, like, wait, you're thinking about Benny? All right, court. Yeah, that's perfect. Let's grab that. <laughs> hey, man, if, they, if it ever turns out that Dustin only says we're seven ninths of a slipknot, if we get eight and nine, you know. I can play the keg. Guys. I get the keg all day. <laughs> the keg, dude. We need a keg thrower. Just 
I'm with you. But I want to I want to ask and I don't know how deep we want to get into business here, but you know, part of the reason this works is because obviously for a long time coming, you being involved in a lot of the logistics have kept track of the activity of fans and people and coming to the shows. And I think that's a big part of why certain things work that may not work with other bands. And I wonder if you can talk about like, you know, having some of that foresight to know, like have a, a grasp on the engagement and like kind of knowing what's going on in different areas with different people. Cause I think that's a big part of why this works. Cause it's, it's targeted to the people that we know are going to come out. Correct. Yeah. Um, I big part of that is where I came from. So I, when I was doing military contracting, I knew it wasn't like, well, we did human capital management. So we were managing people and assets and trying to understand where they were going, where they needed to go, what was the demand, what was the supply, and then like all the inter-transit uh, type stuff that we needed to track. So I built systems with uh, good database guys and developers to do that. So I had a early knack at like my early 20s that I had to like always keep an eye on data. And I got like really obsessed with it. And I thought it was cool uh, because I could find ways to show the big wigs at the company oh, hey, by the way, like you're wasting all this money or we're really uh, not serving the client. Well, this doesn't exist and this is how we can fix it. So I use data like just by happenstance. I wasn't really an IT guy, but I kind of just grew into it knowing computers. So that obsession of data kind of just poured into this. Um, Also, if you leverage your Facebook and Instagram and some of the other mainstay places, YouTube, et cetera, where your fans exist, you can uh, essentially analyze that data and make it uh, uh, really work for yourself. I, I think it's funny to um, to really just take that all apart and then start to look at it from like a geographical perspective, because that's really what matters, right? So if you're a touring band, you're an entity where people are going to come to you in their local areas. You need to like, plot that and then expand it and then figure out how to market to it do you know who you remind me of have you ever seen the movie the lawnmower man (laughs) oh man this is a great great awesome 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 80s maybe early 90s horror film i think it's a stephen king book but they find this really dumb dumb guy that like mows the lawn right but then they do this experiment where they make him like watch tv like clockwork orange and his brain just absorbs it all so within like four days he's the smartest guy in the world and he could speak like different languages and stuff and i feel like you going on tour with star set and analyzing all this data you're like the lawnmower man just like on a monday you play bass and on friday you know french (laughs) <laughs> well to make you happy ben he was working on the bus a couple days ago because we had an issue with the lock and so i took a picture oh of God. ron fixing the bus because i know you love that moment well, that, well that's the thing is it, so ron is you guys are all mvps this is what i've learned is that being playing an instrument in star set is like the fourth reason you should be in the band and that like you should either know another language you should be able to understand even interpreting what dustin says and making it into a powerpoint that's a skill worth being in the band i'm sure Corey, like again the fact that he understood do you know what dmx 512 protocol is and he's like yeah you're in Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who cares if he knows guitar or bass or keyboards? He'll figure it out. Like he wouldn't even be yeah. talking to us if he wasn't a savant. There's a, there is definitely a high entry point. Or I'm sorry, no, yeah, a high entry point uh, in terms of like a hiring process to that eight of nine, nine of nine position. I'm just going to belabor that, Benny, so you know where you're at. <laughs> like, can Elon Musk get in because he owns Twitter now? 
<laughs> I don't want anybody carrying a sink into the van. <laughs> okay. Well, he's, he, he's got connections to Kanye, so I didn't. That's no, oh, that God. <laughs> the trash fire that is whatever that and who knows when this comes out maybe it's way different this is evolving no he's been a trash fire for a long time yeah yeah but now it's like really on fire so. i feel like when i saw him on on some special and he was in his own church on his own property singing nirvana and he was doing it oh, terribly wow. and he had a bunch of people around him going like i feel the music and all that and it's like he's singing bad nirvana out of key and everyone thought it was like a holy experience i'm like this can't be good. So Who's everyone though, because if yeah. I saw that, I'd be like, "Well, I'm, whoever he was must on his have property." A cult following. Oh yeah, yeah. He's worth eighteen yeah. billion dollars. Of course, he has a cult following. I don't think oh. he's worth uh, that anymore. Um, no, <laughs> he lost his billionaire status. Getcher said no. He did. He lost his billionaire status. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't Wait, know. Who are we talking about now? Kanye. Kanye, yeah, he lost his like deal with Adidas or something that was worth like yeah, but like, he five hundred million or something like that. And they, but he's that, worth eighteen that, billion. No, he's eighteen, not. like no, a he's crazy. Not. Google it. No, he's not. He well, he's canceling himself. Yeah, left Forbes, and right, Forbes so just it's... put out an article saying he lost his billionaire status. So I, I don't know that. I guess I've only looked at headlines. But, anyways, uh, that's all you can read these days, Corey. Just read the headlines. Sorry, it's, it's where I get all my you know data and information <laughs> about the world, and Real I just, news. just think it's yes. take it for what it is. It's truth. Um, mm -hmm. so kind of coming back to the, the current tour you guys are on, has, has there been any, um, kind of unique experiences yet? You know, you got, you said about halfway through anything of note that you want to talk mm -hmm. about or any funny stories? Hmm. Well, we, uh, I wasn't on the, well, you were on the mega hike that killed Brock, right? Siobhan? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I missed that oh, actually. We were, that. we were, okay. that, we yeah, were doing Corey's solid, podcast yeah. that day. Yeah. Well, we've taken it. I mean, we, this, because it's much more low key and not as intense travel as well as show uh we've been able to do some pretty cool hikes and then we did we did camelback in phoenix that was nice to get out i actually hadn't done that and for whatever reason you should do that one um we went out to the garden of the gods in colorado springs i know that brock and dustin some of the guys went and did some stuff in salt lake which i guess brock came home and his legs didn't work for two days <laughs> <laughs> um uh, yeah uh, dustin and i uh, got on one of those like lime motorized bikes in seattle and like literally because we had a later event in seattle in one day did like all of seattle i mean the space needle the markets the uh the, the pop culture museum and like went through all of it and ate and it was great um so I, this is what i mean by that is like each day is uh if you've got the energy you can go see a ton and it kind of reminds me of like when we were in a van when it was just the four of us we would literally just park at places that we wanted to go to whether it was napa or like the meteor crater in the middle of the desert just anywhere um and we had that opportunity to go see it and we had the energy to see it um haven't had that in a while i mean the javon knows the the big tours are exhausting they are yeah i mean i think you definitely get this the skill of learning how to design a micro vacation when you tour a lot because that's yeah, how it is totally. it's like i don't think ron you came along but we a bunch of us went up to napa valley the day we had off in sacramento you were working on the bus that's right <laughs> i walk out of the bus in <laughs> sacramento and ron ron's got the whole front end taken off and he's underneath the bus with like a tool bag i'm like okay ron's out for today yeah, but uh, yeah a bunch of us went to up to napa valley and it was one of those things where by the time we got the rental car and all this stuff we get there at like 3 p.m and we have like two hours to hit like all of the wineries that we want so we're like in and out like super fast like 15 minutes at each place but but you figure it out so that was really fun um 
Yeah, just it's days definitely like an that. added definitely an added skill to figure out. Like I think you call it micro vacations. You, it's I will vacation differently my entire life because of this. That's yeah, sure. yeah. Is, is it a bad thing to show Dustin that you're good at these things that would normally cost him money to get other grunt workers to do? Or was it one of those things where he's like, "I'm going to throw you out of the band." You're like, "I could fix the bus." <laughs> <laughs> I can't fix everything, but I'm learning a hell of a lot more about the buses every tour. Right, so like it just becomes your home. I mean, if anybody's a homeowner, at some point when something breaks, you if you're unless you're just lazy, you learn about it and you fix it. Well, that's happening like every nuance of each bus. Um, what I to your question though, um, no, I think that's what makes us uh, agile. I think that's what makes this band to be able to adapt and move quickly. Uh, not just the bus repairs, but like Corey understanding DMX protocol or like whatever it may be, like all those you know specific niches that understand. You know, uh, you're just a higher level performer, a higher level person. Uh, we need those people. Our crew is the same way. Like you've got to be versatile because there's so many different things that are being thrown at us depending on how we tour or what we're what show we're doing. Uh, and even like these acoustic events are smaller um, and less intense, but there's still some versatility to it. And we're adapting and doing new things with merch and uh, different ways of you know managing the day. Uh, and our crew's just got to be able to adapt to that. And luckily, we've got a great group of people out what does the prep look like for a tour like this versus a you know bigger production tour in terms of the band you know rehearsal but also all the tech and everything that goes with it luckily we've done these type of events before every show on our main tour so we had a we basically had an acoustic rig dialed in set up the only thing we didn't do is it was just a little bit messier with looms and cabling and all that. So I, I had uh, one of our main girls, Nick, set up the warehouse that we have uh, with the plot of what we do every day. Um, and that was set up a week out. And she just, you know, went through every single line and loomed it exactly to the width and dimensions that we set up every day, labeled everything, and then accounted for spares. And, you know, after the races at that point, I mean, we're, we're literally carrying a, a spare desk, a spare, you know, Make that front of house guy just because on an iPad, but he's um, super easy compared to the big show. God, there's so many more pro parts to a bigger show. That well, well, let me, this is like, yeah, yeah. well, let me ask you this because it seems like you've gone and infiltrated every single city and that you're like, you know, the places because like you went to Wally's in New Hampshire, which is like just mm-hmm. a it's a place like where band people know to go, but it's like, how does that dude from another state know to go here? But like, that was a good call. So do you know, like, have you just like so hung out with people across the United States? Process, and we're like, Oh, that's a cool place. I can't remember if we talked about it on the last episode, how much, how in depth it got to like literally being on the phone for three weeks straight. But like, that's basically what it takes. So I, I don't know. That's just, it's not something I learned in the past. I just know that if you want to get something done, you just don't stop until you don't put the phone down until it's done. Right. So what I just circle is using data. We would look and look at all the cities that have done well in the past. Um, Look at where we've been recently. Uh, Maybe we hit a city too many times and you got to be careful not to go back to it too quickly because you're not, you're not going to really draw. Um, And then you circle all those cities on a i literally have a map on my desktop and i kind of look at densities and understand it and then it's like okay plot that on a spreadsheet who do i know all right i don't know anyone in those i don't know anybody in probably half of these cities okay well that's that's cold calls that's i gotta hit up my agent and maybe he's got a friend 
or an old promoter that might have worked with us in like the early days when we were in small clubs. He might have some person in the area. And then I piggyback that off of radio and the first door, I used the radio team at the label and they would hit up local radio. And then I'd get on the phone with their PD, whoever, and be like, Hey, where do you guys do your small town local events? What's your favorite brewery? Who's your, like, where do you guys go to hang out and watch a live band? Uh, and it's just, the, and it's that times 36 shows. And then I imagine every single one of these dates, I had at least 10 those. So multiply that. That's how many conversations you have until you've got this booked. Uh, by the way, it's not COVID anymore. So most of these places had conflicts. So it was a struggle to get it all in kind of like a, a format that makes us run around the U.S. and not like a zigzag pattern. So, Do you think if your wife got your like a password to your computer that she might think you're a serial killer? Not my wife, but we'll see about that. Uh, uh, but <laughs> if she had my access code on my computer, I think, uh, no, I think she, you know, what's that, uh, oh my God, what's the uh, meme with all the targets in the background? I can't remember what TV show it's from. Um, when he's like plotting out all the pins on the map. Oh, the Always Sunny oh, with yeah, 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 Always yeah, Sunny. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why I couldn't think of Always Sunny. Yes, yes. I know so, what, what a great show. That's, that is literally what my desk looked like when we were planning this. And like, yeah, I mean, it's chaos. I just look like a crazy person, Benny. I don't look like I'm going to kill anybody. <laughs> but, you know. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, even me, like being a fly on the wall in terms of the logistics stuff, like every day after shows, I mean, Dustin gets on the bus and he and Ron are like immediately having quick conversations about like, okay, next time we're going to do this. We're not going to do this. And it's like yep. that thing is attacked like right away. And I feel yep. like those things, you know, go into play the next time it comes around. And that's a big part of it, too, is just like immediately analyzing everything. That special on, on Walmart where they're like, yeah, so we have such a crazy system that we know when it rains on a Monday in Florida that we need like red gummy bears and they'll ship them like immediately. <laughs> That's wild. I, I mean, I, I love that. That's amazing data. They have all this crazy that data far. that aggregates and like they figure out all this stuff where they just immediately ship things like instantaneously. And I feel like that's what Star said is you go to a t like place and they're like, they didn't like the LED uh, helmets. We can't do any more LEDs in, in Nebraska. We can't do it. Like, But we get <laughs> the Chattanooga. Cool We're up 40 percent yeah yeah it'd be cool to get to that level i will say i know that i know that data level on festivals i know exactly when it, if we're looking at a certain forecast like you know what to bring out and if you don't you did something wrong like you know it's going to dip into the 50s you bring hoodies out if you you're stupid but you know. <laughs> um but i don't know it'd be cool i think amazon's doing the same thing they just have a really great understanding of where certain demand is and it'd be awesome to have that level of data this is like way smaller than that <laughs> in a capacity where you just understand the fans and truly again it goes back to the commitments that have been made from tour over tour we've luckily been do able to do five tours since really covid kind of opened things up um and just leverage that information make sure you know where the people are and and then here we go yeah i mean it's it's like social media in a lot of ways is if you know the behavior of your customer it's it, it opens up the opportunities for just growth in general. I mean, totally. and plus you're honoring what people want. You know, people like to be yeah. given something that they want. So that's yeah, a big part of it too. Let's not discount the fact that like songwriting at the core, it's understanding, course, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's respectful fan base and, and making sure that the quality of your events absolutely stellar. They cannot be weak. They can't, we can't give them 
Yeah, well, that's your whole business model is yeah. that so you have somebody come see you and then they go and tell somebody else. Like, so we, you know, when you're in retail, they tell you like a one, someone has a bad experience. They're going to go and tell five people versus someone has a good experience. You know, it's such a de minimis amount in exchange. Yeah. But I got to tell you, when I went and saw you at Mohegan Sun, there was literally a dude. And I think I said this maybe um, I'm not sure which star set member I said this to. But like there's a guy in front of me that was like, oh, that star set. Uh, I think I've heard them on Spotify. They're great. I'm going to have to add them like right now like in front of me as yeah, like awesome. some of your band was like walking away. I'm like their mission accomplished, Dustin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but that's the thing. Oh, you right. guys have such a wow uh, level between your interaction with the, with the people between if you do a big show, you do a big show. So when people leave, it is always like, holy shit, that's awesome. I don't know what I just saw, but like I have to mm-hmm. tell people about it. Yeah. And, and on top of that, I mean, talking to some of the fans who in, you know, considering the acoustic events, there are a lot of people out there that maybe don't want to see big shows, you know, or they feel anxious mm-hmm. in big crowds. And so a lot of people I've talked to also are like, you know, I really love this because I love listening to the music and it's full version at home. But in terms of like the social situation, it's, they prefer to be at a smaller thing. That's so I think point. it's really and cool kids. to, yeah, yeah and kids and less volume, you know, there are like a yeah. lot of reasons that it works and that might be a great solution for people that just want to see that, you know. There's a lot of people that don't want to deal with the light show the strokes right. or like you said the big crowds and it's up it's almost opened up a whole different demographic of showgoers that we didn't this was not intended like we just thought we'd see our fans who've been to other shows and there's fans that are coming out that have never seen us and are this is their first time you're like wow okay this isn't exactly what we always do but then you know maybe we'll just do more of these too so yeah it's pretty cool to experience that well, it's it's amazing the interaction, though, with the people that you have. And you've created a brand that goes, ask questions, learn about us. And you guys are information download to people. So anyone that wants to learn about Starset, there's a universe. You use words like universe. There's a whole universe to what you do. So the fact is, is that you, you've given people carte blanche access to you guys to continue asking questions. And that's the thing is you have people that are active. Uh, it's actively seeking information about you because you've created this brand awareness. Whereas like if you like Black Sabbath, you're like what kind of weed do we smoke and bro so it's like you know what i mean like ozzy does yeah. like, he doesn't even speak to people he's just like Ugh, and like sign something whereas you guys are like well if you want to learn about you know where Corey's from dustin will tell him and then you yeah. know we'll all learn but that's an amazing thing that you guys do the fact that you go and you're like i don't want to say penetrating the markets but you're you're saying hey man if you want to come meet us, if you want to come in a smaller, th- like, here's a different way to experience us. Mm-hmm. And it's a crazy experience. So like you're a kid and you've never been to a show. You know, I took my my kid, never been to a show. You're you're her first concert. And she was just so blown <laughs> away by everything. And one of my favorite comments she made was, I love how the strings sound. I'm like, oh, that's so that's nice. Because you guys, you guys have seven live people playing in front of you yeah. and it's live strings, live vocals. And it's like, you can hear it all. And it's such an incredible thing to witness. And it, I, not to say that the big shows don't portray that. They do. We'll see. I mean, we always make advances in the way that we have our audio at shows. But like on these, the girls really shine. Like there's a bigger, the, the strings are so powerful and acoustic. It, and with Corey's edition, I, again, the, the three of them, as you kind of said, Benny, you can almost do it by just by that. Um, it is a it's an awesome sound. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's cool. I mean, it's fun because we have a lot of spontaneity and there are moments where yeah. you can just kind of go off the rails and, 
you know, yeah. we do these little interludes and fun sounds and it's, it's interactive. So it's, it's really cool. I think people really enjoy it for sure. Dustin says a lot. It's like the only, only event and the only place that we actually even break the fourth wall down. And I, and I guess that it really is true. Unless you happen to catch us on the side of the road or, you know, catch him in his hometown. This is the only time you really get to experience that. And there is a, that it's good that we've found a time and place for that because people definitely want it. So, Yeah. Oh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So, uh, you guys are about halfway through now and, and when this episode comes out, it'll be closer to, to wrapping up, I think. Um, and, are you working on anything else on while you're, you know, on this tour? I know you guys are multitaskers. So are you, are you like while dealing with the day to day, you know, looking at future plans and, and oh yeah, coming Just, up with different uh, things? Anything every you day can reveal? I've had like a, well, no, I mean, that's Ron's of, life. It's <laughs> always working. Been, uh, uh, the day, well, the first couple of days off were just making sure the rest of this tour was like rock solid and everything. Every schedule was confirmed. But then uh, I've been working on, um, you know, we do. Uh, Dustin and I kind of like curate and make sure everything is right with the merch store and everything happens online too. So we do all that ourselves. So that's been, uh, my goal is just to make sure the holidays, um, and everything in terms of the end of the year is stocked up and, and well done. Um, we always have a, you know, big black Friday sale and things happen around that time. And that's always, uh, one of the more, uh, prominent things that we'll actually do online. So I've been working on that. Um, and then just as of like last week, I started to, uh, regrettably, but it's necessary, uh, open all of the old emails from the postponed tour of Europe. And I am now trying to get all of that underway for February. So, uh, I wish we had just done that tour. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's not still, saying, I mean, not from... saying to people watching, like we're not looking forward to coming there. We absolutely were looking forward to coming there last year. Um, a lot of things went wrong, but, uh, yeah, we're eager to get back. It's just a, a mountain of things that need to be done before that tour starts. So Right. And I've seen just from watching other bands, a lot of people still are having even big bands having trouble making things work over there because yep. it's just there's probably still a lot of recovery to be done since COVID. Fuel, yeah. I guess just the fuel prices alone are pretty bad. But in general, it's uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it's going to be about the same as when we went back on the road right after COVID. I, I don't know what I felt. I call it the wild west in the U S but I don't know what it's going to be like in Europe. Um, I've only heard from certain people that have been there and they've only had small short tours. So I, I'm very eager to hear from some of the TMs and people that friends I have in the industry, what it's been like before we get there. So. Well, I was going to say, I, I know the anthrax had ca- uh, canceled some of their European tour because they just couldn't justify the expenses. Cause it was going to be three times more expensive because I, I, Steve Wood, who came on the show told us getting a, you know, a bus right now and drivers, it's like three times more expensive. Everyone's looking for everybody. And then it's like, yeah. you know, if you want, in fact, I noticed that Richard Shaw, by the way, guys, I is, dr- was, was, driving a, was driving a bus. So yeah. like now if you, if you want to be in a band, you got become a tour manager because you know, everyone, everyone needs a bus driver now. Well, we just had, I mean, that's funny you even say that because we just had a, one of the, the tour manager of Skillet come out and fill in for five dates while my main driver had to leave. Like that's, and he, he's one of the rare guys in the industry where he's just like multifaceted, does all things. Plus he has a CDL so he can move their buses around when needed, which is amazing for a crew guy to have. Having a crew person that has that capability is is integral. Uh, we don't have one. Uh, I've said multiple times that I should get a CDL myself just to be able to move from point A to point B when we don't have that opportunity. I very well may. I 
I don't know. Uh, it's just another thing that maybe I don't. I'm surprised have you don't have it already. <laughs> I'm legally allowed to move them, but I just. Uh, if I have it, I have a feeling I'm going to get called upon to do it. Not from us, but just in a situation where I'd be like, well, there's the emergency. I need to do it myself. And I don't know if I really want that. <laughs> the capability. Another responsibility. Here. Yeah. Uh, but in Europe, I, I, we were lucky enough to get a deposit down in a bus last year. And I think it's one of the main stay buses that, that Siobhan and I have been on before. And um, they're a great company. So I think I think we'll get grandfathered into a rate. I hope. Crossing fingers. We'll find out next week. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I guess along those lines, let me ask you, I mean, for anyone that's listening and maybe interested in getting involved in the industry as the demand is clearly there, if you want to get into tour managing or something where there's a need for it, I mean, what would be your advice to like some of the skills you should get or experience or how to go about it? You know, because maybe there are people out there that they have that skill and have no idea that it exists in the world of music touring, you know? Um, I would break it down a couple different ways now because there's so many different jobs in this industry um a crew person for like and i can't speak to all of it because i even haven't done a lot of these jobs i mean i really as a standard crew i mean i know you have like a, a drum tech guitar tech front of house guy lighting guy or gal um and and having it uh separated into those then you certainly have more people on top of that depending how big your camp is um I won't speak to a lot of those as far as a tour manager is concerned, um, at least for someone that would be good for us to work out or work with. Um, if you've ever had a group of friends or people and you notice that you're the person that is the one trying to organize and text and get that group together, or you're the one that's like, guys, you're making a stupid decision. Let's do this. And you end up finding out that you're the alpha. You're probably going to make a good tour manager or a good wedding planner or somebody that at least is in a good organization sense of, of a leadership role. Getting into it though, man, you'd have to, I think it's just like becoming uh, anything else. Like it really is who, you know, I think in some of these situations, I don't know. Yeah, it's so weird. And in this industry, there's no like, oh, I'm going to go apply for a job to be a tour manager type of situation. Right. It's always like anything, you know, if you're doing professional creative work it's like yeah. you just start to associate with that area or that industry and you kind of find the cracks you talk to people you get to know people you start doing it and you know obviously you can't just jump up to a, a major tour if it's something you're interested no. in. i'm guessing you find some local or regional band and you start getting that yeah. shit together and see if well, you can get like pretty yeah go ahead benny sorry well i was gonna say it's amazing when you hear a guy like steve wood who does the hollywood vampires i talk to him all the time because he just blows my mind and he's like you know, one of his jobs was making sure Johnny Depp never went through the front door of a building. Like that was an actual job. And like, uh, but, and I imagine honestly, it's a crazy at that, job at that level. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, yeah. And they all take separate private jets. Yeah. Well, I noticed that. So a couple of my friends have posted that they have a multitude of positions open, but there is a huge hole in the industry for crew people. And I know there was an exodus after COVID. I know a lot of people went home and then stayed home. And even in the spring of 2022, uh, there was absolutely a need for crew and all different jobs. Um, I know that there was plenty of people that were at the level that we were talking about that soared very quickly into higher positions, just kind of necessity. They had to. And then the, the best ones took that and are now killing it. 
Um, I'm sure there were multiple positions. I even I talked to the guy that we had out with Skillet. There was there was a lot of horror stories. There were a lot of people that got into some positions that were like, "Wow, we this was a mistake." Not saying their camp, but we knew of people that was like, "Wow, this is out of necessity. We had to do it." Um, I think the time is now for a lot of people that would be interested in getting into this industry, though, because of how crazy the cards have been shuffled. Right. Well, I remember on the episode we did with Steve Wood, as Ben mentioned, he I think he told us a story about how they had you know hired a bus driver and then like the morning or the night before the tour was it he just sends him a text. no no steve wood i don't, I don't remember no, what saying, band well, i it think was the for. band was shine down wasn't oh, it? it could have been but the, the bus driver just like canceled via text like the day of or the day before and of course that he's one, like what happened? Mm. and he was the, and he was the backup bus driver yeah. by the way and i wasn't even talking about bus drivers siobhan i won't even get into what we dealt with in the spring and summer uh, and how much turnover and out of necessity, out of safety, out of, I mean, there's, so, ugh, but I, not specifically my stories, but that was awful to hear. I mean, we're talking about people's lives in their hands and just to understand certain situations where people may or may not have been qualified. There could, there was, you know, people coming back from not doing the job for years to people that just straight up shouldn't even be behind the wheel. Um, man, that's scary. Um, yeah, there's, there's no amount of money on, on that one. That's, uh, uh, but I will say if you're CDL and you've, uh, and you haven't, um, get in with the folks and take your job seriously. And man, is that an amazing, uh, position to be able to get into? Cause there's just, there was just not enough of them this year. Um, I think things are slowing down now, but man, what a crazy one to think about. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's kind of the the running joke is if you want to be the best paid person on tour, drive the bus. Because <laughs> yeah. for the amount of work you put in to be a musician, you know, it's 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 a yeah. long haul and there's a lot of us out there, you know, and but only to, so many to, bands. To the argument will be, uh, I'm playing bass, you're playing violin. If I hit a wrong note, I don't kill anyone. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, I totally yeah. see the value in it. I mean, you yeah. should definitely have a the most yeah. highly qualified person available because yeah i know yeah. what it's like you know to you feel good and kill, when, and i guess killing is the worst thing how about just if you don't if everyone doesn't sleep the next 10 days suck right. so that's a yeah we've learned that um and I've, I've made mistakes too um it is a it is a wild dynamic when you're living in a house that rolls so yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you that the more I, I Corey and I were like onlookers to to the rock world of, of all you guys that are real rock stars but like we were there we just were cleaning the toilets or just hanging out getting coffee for all of you but now now I gotta tell you like talking to, to our friends and hearing some of these stories I'm glad I'm not successful I'm glad I'm stuck <laughs> in my basement I get to hang out with my dog all the time he's got kennel cough right now so I get to like hang out and make oh. sure he's okay I know it's um. terrible and my cats are right over there and, and I can I can make songs whenever I want but also go up and make myself some hot cocoa so it's like you know do I want to be in the middle of Mississippi because my tour bus broke down and then Dustin's <laughs> mad at me or could I just stay at home with my dog and it's like I think I just want to stay home with my dog I saved myself I paint, a whole bunch I paint this so negatively just to <laughs> apparently make you feel better but you aren't 
are not successful, so don't put yourself there. <laughs> I will say, though, I feel like when, I mean, you know, the times I remember of the bus needing to be fixed, it's always somewhere that you don't want to be. <laughs> like, oh, I, don't, yeah. I think the last What's tour. What's that truck stop in Alabama? Yes, like, yes I, we, I woke up and I'm thinking, oh, great. Okay, we're here. It's the day off. And I look outside and we're at a Love's. And then I look on the map and it's like barely loading because we're in the middle of Alabama. And there's like nothing except for like a small Baptist church and like a cemetery. I and, spent my day at Hardee's. <laughs> At a at a, one of those booths that are like curved, like nah, like that, like it's a really bad <laughs> booth with the crappy loves Wi-Fi that you have to pay like ten ninety nine for like a four hour access. I sat there all day and worked. <sighs> um, hey, that's road life. It I is. Say, it dude, really is. When it, so Benny, when it's great, it's great. When it's awful, it's fucking awful. <laughs> so that's touring. Yeah. Though. It I think is, there's yeah. something to be said for the fact that there is that swing. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. you never know, right? It's it's the unknown yep. that, that that makes it fun and unique. And you know, the the bad times are are you know there's going to be a you know good time coming after that. So totally, yeah. I take that any day over the you know monotony of of you know what I used to do, which was to drive an hour and a half every morning, you know, at, at nine o'clock and sit in an office for eight or nine hours, then drive an hour and a half back and then be tired and then still want to do music and stuff and then sit there and like, just be keeping my eyes open, trying to like whatever work on a track or do whatever I got to do. I share but, that Corey. I, I yeah. knew very quickly, um, sitting in a desk or being even on the road with the old job. I just, I knew I was just like, I can't, it's more about answering to mul- like multitudes of people. And then also just kind of feeling like you're, being shuffled through things like some people just can do it. And, you know, I applaud like my brother, for example, he's fantastic at how he's able to just continue to climb a corporate ladder and live in that environment. And he's totally a person that can do that. Whereas me three years older than I couldn't do that to save my life. Well, you guys are lucky. You have a really important thing and that's people giving fucks about you. Like that's the thing. So there's a reason for it. So like, you know, you go, we started off with saying, why, why are we doing this? Because people care. And it's amazing. so. And that's the thing is like, you know, so many bands like tour hoping that they'll care and you tour because they care and you're doing this tour specifically because people care because, you know, again, like a band like uh, where you go play a place like Wally's, you don't see a band of the level like Star Set, but you guys like took over it. There's a bunch of people outside. You immediately you, you recognize your fans and it's a really cool thing. So it's like if you're having a bad experience, your bus breaks down in Alabama, but there's. 800 people 500 people that are literally going out of their minds to see you whereas like no if i just break down nobody cares yeah and that's that is the so that's the urgency that comes from a breakdown or that comes from the reason why like maybe the first two weeks of tour i suck at sleeping because <laughs> i you know i you get the buses back from like a tour that was rented and you don't know if it's gonna be running right and you, you trust the mechanics that did the pre-inspections before you took off and all that but um basically i yeah the anxiety or the pressure of a breakdown or just getting to the next show is huge because you just don't want to let anyone down and that's like pretty much how i feel the whole time so i'm up i'm up i'm up and then i get off tour and then i like have all this like everything's a stress relief for like a couple months and then it's just back up again ron goes off the grid (laughs) to recover yeah i don't blame you man yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, high risk, high reward in a lot of ways. And I, even at some of these events, I've had people ask me like they have, you know, they're working a job, but they love music and they want to get into it. And it's hard to, you know, give advice to that because the truth is you just kind of have to jump all in and do it and take the risk. And there's there's no good time to like do it on the side necessarily. Like some That's people can. That's been a can, lot of but, the questions this tour. I was like, 
what does it take? What what's the what's the one piece of advice you'd give to an aspiring musician? And I think Dustin will always answer songwriting. But then after yeah. that, it's like, do you have it in you to basically? If you have the songs, do you have it in you to commit all of it and all of your time? I don't. I didn't know if I did when I first started this, and I remember when I had to quit my job and. It was like, all right, this is real now. Like, here we go. So, and I think that's like, it's not even just like that with music. It's like that with any entrepreneurial thing. Well, that's a good segue for Corey because, you know, we just got, uh, Siobhan wanted to tell this story, which I guess I appreciate you supporting us, Siobhan. But Corey and I actually got gold records in the mail this week. Amazing. Which was pretty yeah. rad, um, you know, because Corey guys. at the time was working his real job, real job, struggling with the concept of being a full time musician. So, Corey, would you like to speak to that? Yeah, no. So it's it does segue kind of nice because at that time I was working, I mean, f- minimum 40 hours, uh, but with, you know, three hours of commuting every day. Uh, and I was also working a second full-time job as a musician, whether it's performing or recording or doing anything at teaching lessons, um, which is how I was able to shift from a job that I, you know, hated and then in like a type of work, a corporate type of job that I hated into doing this full-time, um, whatever the hell it is I do. Uh, <laughs> but it was because I reached a point where the scale was tipping with like the way the, that my, side job was coming getting closer and closer to income and and satisfaction is my main job so that's how i was you know able to make that jump you did the math you go oh wait if i didn't waste my time at my day job the work i'm doing on the side would actually eclipse that so why am i doing that so i made that jump but to to the point of the records that we got um you know at the time we were working with ollie herbert of all that remains on lost symphony tracks uh he was was he staying at your house i think ben yeah he was that staying week, so at he was my like house. an entire week he was there and so i have in my calendar like you know ollie at ben's house this week and ever get out of work and like shoot over there and would be working on stuff um and then they have one day uh he's basically like uh yeah we got this track on the new Re- all that remains record and i think at the time ben and i were like we should be focusing on lost symphony right now ollie like <laughs> but he's like uh, I, I really need to record some stuff and it's not working out i know why i know why we started focusing on that because ollie was staying with us but during this week they wanted him to fly back to california because right, all that yeah, remains yeah. camp uh, Howard Benson was working with them out in California and he was like, oh, this song sucks. It needs to be better. Like, we need Ollie back. And Ollie's like, you know, the reason we Corey and I ended up doing it was because we were like, dude, whatever you could go do out there, we could fucking do it here. Just tell them to send us the fucking song so we can move on to Lost Symphony. So that's exactly what Howard Benson did. He basically said, here's a piece of shit cover of this song. It sounds like a bar band covering it. And when he sent it to us, it certainly sounded nothing like what it sounds like now. And, uh, you know, we got the stems and on a night where Ollie was just like, we're doing our extracurricular, like, oh, let's hang out and jam and smoke. Ollie's like, yeah, you want to you want to work on this song? And Corey came from work with his bass because, um, you know, we decided the whole thing needed to be tore apart. And, you know, Ollie looked at Corey and was like, well, someone needs to play the bass. And it might you as know, well be you. Yeah. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> but yeah, so, so yeah, that was, you know, that was, that was awesome. You know, and it's funny, like looking back, it's such like, it, you know, it was like one night, you know, what, six years ago, whatever the hell it was. Right. So I, I, I'm like trying to remember a lot of what happened, but yeah, it was a lot of just like 
all right, we're, we're bouncing around ideas. Uh, you know, all had to leave like the next day or something. Like it was, it was a real like time crunch. So we just did all this work. Uh, I think we we're there, you know, I got out of work at five or six and we worked until two or something in the morning, uh, got all the tracks together and I'm emailing them off to, to the, the team in California and everything. And then we just kind of like wiped our hands. Ben did the piano. We sat, we did work a lot with Ollie, which was awesome. Just like shooting ideas around on the guitar. And like, that's, that's the coolest part, you know, you know, obviously, you know, bass is fun and all, but you hear all these guitar licks that we, when they, when they sent to us, there was no lead guitar, which I was just dumbfounded by. I'm like, wait a minute. You got Ollie Herbert who can't do much of anything other than write the craziest wizardly leads on the planet. Cause he was, that's what he was good at. He wasn't even the greatest at rhythm guitar. His fucking leads were the greatest shit ever. And his compositional stuff. So it's like, how is this? No wonder this song sounds like shit. You didn't utilize like your 12 cylinder engine over here. So, you know, we got to sit there and be like, yeah, that would be the cool solo you should do and put, you know, layers of bass and keyboards. And I think I even put some synth like string kind of things. I'm like, dude, you got to make it sound epic. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I, then I had to take that home and I did all the cleanup I could in like the, you know, few hours I had and sent it back to him. And like I said, we just kind of, what do you think the total amount of hours on it was that we did? Um, I don't know, maybe six or seven of tracking. And then I probably spent like, I don't know, three or four hours of comping and cleanup. But like, I know, I know it wasn't like done, but at the time we had the mentality of like, we're not getting paid for this. We're not, it was kind of just doing a favor for Ollie. And we're like, we know that the guy making this record is getting like six figures. So like, you can like reamp these, right? You can take care of this. Like we did our part. Like, here's the stuff. (laughs) I'm like, I got like, I got to work in the morning. Like it was just one of those deals. And isn't it it wild how 10 hours, 11 hours of work can turn into something that you didn't really necessarily know at the time. This has been learned time and time again by many different people. It's like, you just don't know what circumstance or what interaction or what introduction to what person at any given point is going to change like the trajectory of everything else that you're doing. Well, the, I, the irony of it, Very Ron, true. is that they didn't, Ollie was a horrible communicator. So the rest of the band didn't even know we played on the song because if you go on to Wikipedia, Howard Benson played the keyboards. And I think the dude from bad oh, company wow. played the bass. And we're like, that's so not the credits, right. The credits didn't get back to the label. Right. Mike, Mike reached out and inquired, you know, hey, didn't you guys play on this? <laughs> and because uh, Ollie just never mentioned it. Um, so they, you know, we we clarified that and they were super cool and like, oh, well, we're going to get you guys records like, you know, this you know, the song went gold. You deserve Great. some credit. And uh, awesome. they've, they've been awesome since then. They've, they've kind of, you know, we never expected much. We just kind of we did our thing. We were happy to, you know, help out Ollie when we saw it doing well. We're like, oh, that's cool. We probably should have like ask for something Filed but whatever something you know. yeah <laughs> but they showed their appreciation and we we appreciate that and now i have a cool thing to put on my wall it's not as many things as ben i clearly have to step up my wall game but uh we'll get there hey it starts with starts with one so right. <laughs> that's awesome guys that's great but that said i think i think the, your point to like just we just did it we were yeah. like all right let's let's see what happens and we didn't you know fuss about it we didn't we didn't say no ollie like go fly to california we don't want to deal with like we we just took the opportunity we made it work the Mm -hmm. best we could and you know after a while it has paid off pretty well it's been pretty Mm -hmm. cool so yeah i mean i think that's a lot of success when i you know the people we've talked to it's just like your curiosity and your interest and your willingness to do something is often what leads to the next thing you know it's you can't say oh i'm only going to take the thing that's definitely going to produce something you know you just have to constantly stay curious and stay dedicated and and throw yourself in situations to expand your experience and you know you never know when it's going to come back to you 
Yeah, not being an opportunist would be, I think, the one thing that would I'd say would have stopped anything, at least what I've been involved with. Like if I had just said um, early on when I met Dustin and I knew what, like we both liked music, we both liked certain types of music. And if I didn't like expound upon that further and get more interested in like what he was writing and trying to understand like actually being more of like a sounding board he has many friends that do that for him but like i was always one even no matter where i was listening to like the next track that he wrote that was an opportunity that i didn't even realize i was doing i was just doing it out of like cool is this passion i enjoy music and all of a sudden look what it turns into and a guy like so you just don't know um so yeah be curious that's for sure yeah Cool. Yeah, I think we need lesson. more. We need more life advice from Ron, and, uh, and we're, we're coming to the we're coming to the end. Put a black uh, logo around me with some like one word phrase. Yeah, just like create a whole Instagram account. <laughs> Ron <laughs> wisdom. And that's a good you. place. It's a good place to leave it here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, with uh, on 2020 uh, make sure you guys you know like I said I, I don't know exactly how many dates will be left on the acoustic tour when this comes out if, if any but obviously check out starsetonline.com check out the tour dates and, and make sure you guys catch them even if it's not on this tour go see them because you know they're one of the greatest live bands and shows that, I, that I've had the chance to see well, and if you love Starset which is probably a huge uh, uh, chipset of our freaking people watching right now because everyone that watches us loves star set it seems but if you do love star set and you ever see a bat logo batman logo on dustin's instagram find out where the band is that night and just know that you're being called upon there is an activation and i probably not part of it (laughs) for liability's sake yeah Yeah. Uh, ron anything else you want to let people know about uh no I, I think you stilled it up pretty well i'm not uh i don't know when this will air so um <laughs> if you happen to want to take a trip to europe i'm sure it'll be airing by then come see us some of these man some of these people have waited a long time to see a show and man we are pumped to see them as well so hopefully we can see you very cool all right guys check out 2020-d.com and we'll see you next week Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-d.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip was from episode number 142, featuring Keith Wallen of Breaking Benjamin. Check it out. This is real, and I believe this. I don't want to be an old man filled with regret <laughs> and think back and be like, why didn't I write more songs? Why didn't I sing you know, why didn't I play more shows? Why didn't I get out there while I could, uh, when I could? And so COVID, I think, really put it into perspective a lot, too, because, you know, all of our careers were just completely just robbed from us. And uh, so I just thought about it. I'm like, man, if, if we ever get a chance again to play a show, you know, because there was times where you're just like, is it over? You know, I remember thinking that at one point during, you know. I feel like that now. Is it over? <laughs> yeah. It could be any day. <laughs> yeah, it could be any day. Yeah, seriously. It, you know. Um, so, yeah, I just want to do it as much as I can while I can. Why not? Let's go. 
Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.